0: This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Investor Mindset listeners, another great episode is in the can. I just finished up interviewing Chris Lopez. Uh, a real estate financial planner. He has a really cool system, really cool uh, process that he does for actually going out and finding new clients by offering them a ton of value up front. And so quick little summary of what to expect from this episode. There's so much more than this, but a couple things that really... uh, really made me excited was this whole idea of following trends. So figure out where a trend is going and get in front of it make sure you're you're going in the right direction so that you're not chasing something that's kind of dying or falling apart. You're actually getting ahead of it. Uh, The second big idea that I really took away from here was this idea of giving value first. So not being so worried about getting something, and about being paid for your work but more about how do I give value to other people so that they know like and trust me and they want to do business with me I think this is a huge idea and so many people forget about it they get caught up in this idea of having to have it all figured out right off the bat and uh, the final big idea was this whole idea of don't be a commodity so figure out what that value is that you can offer figure out how it can be different from other people and you know continue to iterate no matter how many times you fail just continue you to iterate until you find uh, something that people really love, that you love doing and giving. And uh, that is really going to create great wealth for you in the world. So if you love this episode, please do us a favor, head over to your favorite iTunes or uh, podcast app and write us a written review. Help us reach some more people uh, so that we can keep doing great things in the world. And as a reminder, we have an, an awesome event coming up. November 1st, November 2nd, virtual summit called the Investor Mindset Summit online. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to have a lot of great people uh, speaking and teaching from across the real estate industry and directly from personal development. So we have over 15 amazing speakers and trainers. Some of these people include awesome sales trainers or negotiation trainers like John Martinez or Derek Gaunt, who is the partner of Chris Voss, who wrote the amazing book, Never Split the Difference. We have Rod Khalif, an incredible personal development-focused multifamily investor. He worked with Tony Robbins for years and is now teaching and training people on the multifamily front. And he's got some Incredible, incredible views after losing, you know, $50 million. We have Don Costa, an incredible house flipper. He's doing over 100 house flips a year in multiple different cities. And, you know, Mike Hambright, uh, an incredible flipper and teacher and trainer. We have Trevor McGregor, an ex Tony Robbins coach, fantastic executive leader. Ship coach and trainer, um, the list keeps going on there's over over fifteen speakers and the key here, you guys is why is this important to me and why do I need to be there? You need to be there because not only are the tactics important, so we have a lot of great podcasts and trainings. Uh, on tactics, and a lot of our speakers are professional coaches and trainers on the tactics of real estate whether it 's multifamily or whether we 're talking about you know single family flipping or wholesaling but the key here is every single one of them recognizes that mindset is the key to success that if you don 't have the right thoughts and beliefs going on in your head, no matter how great of tactics or great strategy you have, you're going to fail. And that is why we are laying out the foundation. We're going to understand what are the keystone habits that you need to be rocking with on a regular basis. What are the goals that you need to set for yourself and how to set them and hold yourself accountable and how to think about money in a way that is completely different and will revolutionize your life so that you can go out and build this amazing business. So please make sure you join us. Head over to investormindset.com. You can find out all the information there and and uh, get your tickets to the summit, or you can head directly to investormindsetsummit.com and you can register right there. So we are excited. We are grateful. We are looking forward to having you. And without further ado, let's jump into this episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I have Chris Lopez on the show today. How you doing, Chris? Very good, Stephen. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get into some of your background, Chris was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug his sophomore year of college. And then he graduated two and a half years later running that online marketing business. But at his core, he always knew he wanted the wealth creation and financial freedom that a career in real estate investing can, can give to people. And uh, now, fortunately, after some transition, Chris is an investor-friendly realtor who helps other people build amazing rental portfolios to help them get set up for retirement planning and the life after. So are you ready to jump into things, Chris? I am. Tell me where you want to start. Awesome, I love it. So you've obviously done a lot of things. I'm excited to get into your background a little more, but why don't we start out by taking a look back? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today?
1: Um You know, I came from a pretty normal childhood, you know, good middle class parents. Luckily, they both stayed together my entire lives, raised in a good household. Uh, so mostly all really good stuff compared to a lot of people out there. Uh, but one thing that I did not realize until I actually started building businesses around probably I was around 19 or 20. Uh, when I was a baby, I had tubes in my ears, uh, Mm. which they put in there for too much fluid. And what that meant was I could not hear what people were saying around me as a baby, as a toddler. So therefore, mm-hmm. I always had very much delayed speaking skills. So even, actually up until about four or five years old, my parents later told me, you know, this was years, years later, like decades later, that when I was, you know, four or five, get into like pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, they weren't sure if I was a hearing problem or if I may have like a major learning disability or some type of, you know, real speech issue. Luckily, it was Mm -hmm. just from the fact that I never developed those uh, hearing skills and was a little bit behind. But I spent uh, years going through speech therapy to help me become a better talker up until probably I was eight or nine years old. I was going Mm. to speech therapy pretty regularly. Uh, And of course, you know, until I was five or six, only my parents could understand me. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I have very few memories of this other than a few like tracks here and there. But fast forwarding to that sophomore, junior year of college when I was uh, becoming an entrepreneur, and really doing a lot of the sales side of things, I realized I had, I call it a skeleton in the closet, is that I would often talk very quickly, like just get my words together as quickly as possible, have no breaths in between my sentences, no punctuations I was talking. And one of my mentors slash coach said, he goes, you know what, basically, why do you rush things? And I said, you know, I was like, I don't know because I was, you know, recording my phone calls to become a better mm-hmm. salesperson, become a better talker. And I said, you know, I don't know, and then I think about it and do it, and it finally hit me. And I said, you know what? I think it all stems back to these my learning dis or my my speech issues when I was a little kid because I always had a hard people always had a hard time hearing what I was saying. So my solution was to speak really fast, and I realized this because as I was talking to people, I started becoming self conscious. Like I would mm-hmm. say something, and I would shy away from certain words, you know, three or four or five syllable words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would, I still do stumble sometimes, but I would start talking to people and I didn't get anxious, but I actually got, I don't know what the right word is, but like I would get mentally nervous that I would say mm-hmm. the wrong thing and they wouldn't be able to hear me. So yeah, once yeah. I realized that, uh, I had a big mental shift because I identified the problem, which is I think always an important thing. But yeah. then I was able to start overcoming it with great. If I just practice, let's, you know, record my phone calls and listen mm-hmm. to it, which if you guys have never done that, it is one of the so worst cute. experiences in the world of hearing yourself, rec- you know, recorded on the phone or watching a video of yourself. It's one of the worst things in the world to do, but it gives you such massive improvement. So that was one of the uh, biggest things that I that it overcame, but also helped me as I started going through those initial couple years of becoming a salesperson.
0: That's so interesting because for so many of us, we don't even recognize the things from childhood, from growing up and how they're actually impacting us in our lives today when we're grown adults, when we're in our careers and doing these things. But being able to have the knowledge to know, okay, well, that's probably where this is from. And now that I'm recognizing it, I can actually change it. I can upgrade it. I can make a modification because you know, it sounds like w- when you were younger, you were speaking fast because maybe if I slide all the words together, then maybe they won't notice that I said something the wrong way. I need to just rush through it. But it really plays heavily into a sales role because pacing and leading and talking at the same speed and letting people kind of catch up to what you're talking about is so important that you would have never known if you wouldn't have taken that step to actually listen to yourself and go and seek some mentorship. Hey, well, how can I get better at this?
1: Yeah, and I still, I mean, to give you guys some timeline, it was 2002 that I got, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which kind of set me down this path. Uh, So this was, you know, 15, 16 years ago when I identified this. So I was, Mm -hmm. I think, 20, 20, 21 at the time or so. Uh, I still have those same mental roadblocks, you know, some instance of it, not nearly as much, but still is a consideration in my mind once in a while. It still happens. I still find myself going back to some of these old habits or old mental nervous tics, which is really interesting to me because I've sold mm-hmm. a ton of stuff, you know, on webinars and podcasts and one-on-one sales, but I still have this little voice or thing in my head that comes out once in a while. Don't know why. And I think it's just I'll live with it for the rest of my life. But repetition helps cure it
0: it It really does, and it's good to give ourselves grace to recognize and thanks for sharing that you still deal with this because you know for so many of us, we try to make that change. we go and do the work, we study, we're doing that personal development, we're changing our mindset, we're changing the way we think, we're trying to upgrade our businesses, but sometimes we get pulled back to that old way of thinking because it was like grooves in a in a record, you know those were really deep, and those were there for a long time, and you were playing that record over and over again. Well, you know, we scratched out the old ones and created some new ones that are more healthy and helpful for us. But sometimes it's easy for that, you know, record needle to fall back in. Are you sure our listeners know what a record is? I, you know, surprisingly enough, we uh, we have more than just millennials on here, and luckily for all of us millennials, we do have Wikipedia, so we can all go look that up and learn about it later.
1: Good. That did, uh, and actually, I really like that metaphor. i um, joking, so I really like that. And that made me think of one of the books I read that really helped me with that mental roadblock and just, I think, some success in general. And I haven't read this book in years. just popped my mind now because of that metaphor, but it was Psycho-Cybernetics by mm. Maxwell. It was the updated version where Dan Kennedy rewrote it or edited it, but it was the newer version of it. And I re- that was one of the few books that I read numerous times and I you know highlighted and, and you know, penciled all the pages on there. But that was a major book to help me out because it really focused on visualizations. And I think the word track they used was, you know, playing like the movie trailer of your life, like visualize the life you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would do that and I would visualize myself having success. I would visualize myself speaking Clearly and enunci- enunciating things, and just being a very good communicator—not the amazing, most amazing person in the world, but just a really good one—and I, I'm certain that that's one of the things that helped me just, you know, take myself and therefore my business up one or two or three notches. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of that book. Surprisingly, I've never
0: read it. It's been mentioned a few times, but the whole idea of visualization is so key. I mean. Thanks for reminding me about I need to implement a little bit more of that in my own life, right? We're all on this journey trying to get a little bit better every day. But when you can see the way that you want it to be and it can feel as if it is, then it's surprising when you do that long enough and you look back years later and you're like, holy smokes, that's exactly what I was visualizing. And now I'm actually applying it in my life.
1: Yeah, and actually it's Good that you mentioned that because I, I need to start doing that myself because I did it a lot, you know, 13, 14, 15 years ago. And I don't do it nearly as often now. But I would one of their techniques was, you know, don't read at night, don't watch a movie at night, but fall asleep at night, laying in bed, visualizing yourself playing this mental or this uh mental movie trailer. And that way your subconscious would work on it while you're sleeping, and mm-hmm. then you'd wake up the next day program better. And so, you know, whether that's true or not. I haven't done a study on it, but it sure seemed to make a difference for me when I did that. And I've definitely done that now and then, but I've not done it with the consistency like I did, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah,
0: it's uh, you know we're all just humans trying to get a little bit better. And frankly, I'm no perfect human out there. I'm not doing all this stuff all the time. But when I do do it, I do notice that it makes a big difference. So, um, what I'm curious about. So you mentioned you started your first business back in college and you kind of got that entrepreneurial bug. Tell us a little bit about that. And what was it that pulled you into the uh, entrepreneurial and, and business space?
1: Yeah. So going back, uh, you know, ever since probably freshman, sophomore year of high school, I knew I wanted to be an engineer. And that's just, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I, I grew up in Virginia in the suburbs of DC. And so I did early decision to Virginia Tech, which is a great engineering mm-hmm. school, plus it's in-state, so it had really good tuition back then. And I went there, became an engineer, and this is what I knew I wanted for years and years and years to do. Well, about three months into the engineering curriculum, I realized, yeah, I don't want to do this. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of, you know, it rocked my boat for certain. Uh, so I started figuring, hey, what, you know, what the heck do I want to do? And I had no clue. And I, knew, and I said, okay, well, I don't know what I want to do. Let me start figuring out what I don't want to do. And I, mm-hmm. I, that's where I started with it. I made a list of what I don't want to do. And that was go to some mediocre job that I didn't really care about, sitting in two hours of Washington, D.C. traffic daily, and where I had to wear a suit, tie, and dress shoes every day. Those Mm -hmm. were—I'm sure I wrote down some other things—but those were the the main bullet points I still remember, you know, 20 years later. And so I said, "Okay, great. This is this is what I don't want to do." And I just started, you know, reading and researching, doing what I could. And then one day, in one of my like, you know, some one of my classes, someone handed me a book, "Rich Dad Poor Dad." Like, hey, Mm -hmm. you should read this. I was like, "All right, sure, I'll read it." So I read the book and it just blew my mind. If you guys had rich mm-hmm. head, poor dad, you know, so it's an easy read, but it's one of those ones that just is a great, helps you mentally shift and just opens mm-hmm. up a whole new world. So the metaphor I use is I just got smacked with a two by four on how I could go out there and be a business owner and get in the world of investments. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. I never knew this stuff was out there. I knew it, but I never like, understood that could apply to me, I should say. Mm-hmm. So I did that and the guy who gave me the book uh, he was actually in. Do you guys know what Amway or QuickStar is? They're like one of the, mm-hmm. you know. They're uh, old school. They're a behemoth uh, multi-level marketing company. Mm-hmm. And so he showed me the book. Then he showed me the the presentation they have on how you can build residual income with. it. So I was like, yeah, dude, I'm man. Let's just sign up. So I did that I don't know, for a few months and realized that was just was not for me. But mm-hmm. it opened up my eyes and it kind of just got me down that whole entrepreneurial path. And so from rich dad, poor dad. I eventually read the next biggest book I read was Robert Allen's Multiple Streams of Income, mm. which is a classic back from like 20 years ago. It's one of the best, I think, business copywriting books ever written. Uh, and so my very first inclination between Robert Allen and Kiyosaki was going to go into real estate. I actually talked to a couple agents in uh, Blacksburg, Virginia to actually about buying a house and getting rent uh, roommates for rentals and just realized it was kind of beyond my scope and I had, you know, I had $3,000 saved up from like my construction summer job, but I didn't have the uh-huh. knowledge, the capital or anything to go out there and buy a property. But one of Robert Allen's things was like, to go out there and build a MLM company. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. all right, I'll do it again. Like I'll keep failing till I find something. And so I joined his network marketing company, not the one he built, but just one that he was involved with as a, a independent contractor because they were starting to do some things on the internet. Again, this is like mm-hmm. 2003. So this mm-hmm. is we weren't getting AOL floppy discs, we were getting AOL CD-ROMs and mm-hmm. we we're still using AOL Instant Messenger to talk and figure out college parties for the weekends. I remember those days.
0: I you know, we didn't we we were still we were running some pretty crappy internet. I remember getting like six of those free 2-week AOL DVDs and using a different login um, until unfortunately, we found out later that I had signed up 14 times for AOL. And uh, luckily, because I was a kid, they didn't actually charge us, but that was a whole other story.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you remember that headache. It was very yeah. different. So, it's very different on the internet. So, I was like, okay, well, what I didn't like about the previous Amway experience was like they would say, go to the bookstore and say, hey, you look like a sharp person, try to recruit them. Or everyone you talk to is a recruiter. I was like, yeah, that's just, it's not me. Yeah. Uh, but they were like, "Hey, we can build on the internet." So I was like, "Hey, this sounds good to me." It was a good. It was in the health and wellness field, which I'm into health and fitness. So I was like, "Yeah, it's a good fit." And from there, just went off the races. What happened was they were building on the internet. And then one of my mentors I got placed with, who I'm still business partners with, and we do some investing together, just a phenomenal guy. His name is Jason. He had a gigantic impact on my life. And he took me under his wing because I said, hey, dude, I will work my butt off. I will Mm -hmm. run through walls. I'll do anything I need to out there. I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't have the skills. So he, he mentored me. He guided me. And then two interesting things happened was we were building a very successful network marketing organization by recruiting other mm-hmm. uh, recruiting other people and also getting a customer base. So mm-hmm. this was like right as Google had AdWords was becoming a thing. Every click was five cents a click, and I mm-hmm. should have maxed out my credit cards and you know stolen from my parents to do stuff back then. Uh, okay. But I still did. Yeah, look, hindsight's twenty twenty. But in a matter of like a year, we had teams on four different continents and we were just crushing it because we were right place, right time, we were, we hopped on a new trend that only a handful of other people were doing.
0: So, it sounds like you were working, you were not afraid of working really hard. You happened to get on the right train in front of the right trend, which I think is a good thing for people to be reminded of that when you're thinking about making a transition, you want to be ahead of the trend, not behind the trend, right? You want to be ahead of it so that you can ride that trend up and not be chasing it down because it just gets harder and harder if you're chasing it down. But what was it that? was so different for you in that space that you were like, I'm going to work my butt off for this opportunity because I think that's the reason why
1: you're successful. Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think what I think it was just because it was just a lot of the right pieces were in there. I don't think there was one thing It was just, I had a, I had a good mentor. I believed in the product that we were involved with uh, the way things were structured were right fit for my personality so it was just a lot of little right things. And basically they said, Yeah, if you work your butt off, you'll do it. And they would also tell me, hey, you want to achieve this. Here's what you need to do this week. I was like, great. Mm-hmm. You know, I got the mindset, the innovation stuff, but now I'm like, hey, I need some tactical stuff to go out there and do. Yeah. I would do it, I'd see results. I'd come back to my mentor and say, Hey, I did this, this, and this, and this. Here are my results, here are my record phone calls. What do I do next week? And it was just repeat, repeat, repeat. And that was just the grind, which I love the grind. And so we built that business. And then in parallel, since this was such, this was such a different time in back then, we were also building our own internal uh, marketing system for just our own business to use. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of years later, that turned into a whole other business where all these other people around the industry and our company said, Hey guys, can we use your system? And for the mm-hmm. first year, we said, No, no, this is just for us to use because we were giving away free to our team members. That was, it was a totally non, it was totally free product. And we said, Wait a second. We got another business on our hands here. Where, at the very least, our goal is to charge some money, hire some more staff just to get off that day to day work from our workload. Yeah. And then from there, we got that and just grew into another business. So, as, as one grew, we would feed the other and vice versa. And so, from there, we just worked hard. And I would just, as you said, that's one of the things I always said was just ride trends, identify a trend and ride it. And we would just say, great, the next trend is Google SEO, Google PPC. YouTube, Facebook ads, podcasting. And we just, you know, we would do each one, we'd figure it out. And then we would turn around, grow our business, turn around, implement our system. And then it was just a total win-win situation. So I'm not sure if that answered yeah, it answered the question.
0: It gave me the information that I was looking for, even if it wasn't the answer to my question. But so what I really appreciate is that whole idea of riding a trend. So what I'm curious is, you know, fast forward 10 years or a little bit more and, uh, what is the trend that you're now riding? Where do you see things going? And why did you jump on the the current
1: train that you're on right now? So I see a couple different trends here. So so one, I I cannot believe I'm still saying this in 2019. It's Mm -hmm. still the damn internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because right around 2014 or so was when I started stepping away from other businesses. Like those other businesses still bring in residual income. I still make a few bucks every month off of them. Um, but it was just time for me to move away for a variety of reasons. Part of it was just I got bored with it and wanted a new challenge. Uh, yeah. And I was like, well, I wanted to get into real estate. So like, you know what? I tried day trading stocks. I tried day trading currencies. I tried all this stuff and I made a few dollars. But if you put my time into it, I was probably making like three cents an hour. So I was like, you know, real estate's the way to go where you can put active time into it and you know get some below market value And also not do illegal insider trading, Mm trading, and get in trouble for. Hey, you know insider information real estate? Cool, you profit. If you know that in the stock market, you're in trouble. So I liked all about that. So you know I need to get into real estate somehow. And my very first inclination was not to become a real estate agent. It was to do a fix and flip. I did one fix and flip, made some money, but realized you know what? That's going to take me like five years to scale. Not Mm -hmm. playing to my strengths. And then I tried some wholesale lead generation for a friend of mine in Vegas who's already a very successful flipper and wholesaler. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Great, I'll help him scale his offline stuff online. Then copy and paste it to Denver. And I was like, Wow, that's a lot harder than I thought. Um, and even with his, because I was a variable, and we were we were like a twenty thousand dollar acquisition, so it's not working out great. Mm-hmm. Which humbles me to say that, but whatever, that's the way you learn. And then I started looking at you know open houses and talking to agents. Like to be very frank, I. A lot of agents just, they kind of suck at their job. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's a lot of people in real estate. Like I talked to someone, hey, give me a call and no one would call me back. I'm like, yeah. how, how do you not call someone that told you to call them from a sales perspective? And then I started realizing that I said, you know what? I am not the only person on the internet trying to Google information on how to buy property in Denver. And I said, ah, that's my aha moment. If I'm doing this, There's other dudes and other ladies out there trying to do the same thing. So I'm going to leverage my marketing Mm -hmm. skills, become an agent, and I'll do the marketing angle to uh, three goals was to network with people around Denver. So I've met Mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of people around Denver to bring in clients and for my own knowledge. Um, And so I still see the internet as a major trend uh, because that very few, as you know, very few people in real estate touch it, which- Because you know, I for my past business, that's all I did was twenty first hours was internet, internet, and then all my friends were successful internet marketers. So the whole world was internet marketing to me. And then I stepped down my bubble and I was like, oh wow, everyone's still way behind the times. This is awesome. So yeah. I see that as a trend. And I also see Denver as a, at a very, uh, the Denver real estate market from macro level as a very good long-term point to be investing in. And that's a big reason why I did what I did and be, became an agent here. Uh, you know, it's, Property is still cash flow, but we've got lots of great long-term outlooks. So I think it's going to be a mix of cash flow and appreciation. And from everything I've studied, people that buy now in the next you know, 5, 10, 15 years, I think in 30 years, will be very, very happy people. So it's mm-hmm. a good mix of like cash flowing markets and appreciation markets. And that's just a trend I want to ride because Denver's a growing city with growing population and growing jobs.
0: So you found a trend in real estate. You knew you wanted to make the transition. So you were thinking to yourself, how can I make the transition into real estate while also following one of these core principles that I have, which is get ahead of a trend and and, and follow one. But, but one thing I want to underline for our listeners here is you know, Chris is a pretty successful guy. He's done some really good things out in the world from a business standpoint. And even moving into this direction, he had some failures. He started doing what he was really good at doing, for the investment real estate uh, community, and it didn't work out. It's It's pretty tough stuff. I mean, there are people who are trying to go after and find individual leads every single day, but what you did was you iterated from that and you found something that could really work well for you and you've kind of pivoted. And now this is your core focus, kind of using the internet to build a lot of authority to pull people into your funnel for you to then help them throughout the process. Is that, is, was, was I getting that right? That is very well
1: said. you nailed it on the head. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people in the, you know, a lot of, I hate to hate on brokers, but there's a reason only three or 4% do 90% of the business. It's because most of them suck. But for those ones that are really good, you know who you are and I'm not talking about you. But um, for those ones that are really good, you have to find a way that you can serve your clients in a different fashion than just showing up and being like, hey, I do real estate. You should sign up with me. Um, So I think a good thing for our listeners to take away from this, regardless if you're looking to be an agent, is in your industry, figure it out. Figure out what everyone else is doing and then go figure out what people are not doing and what they need. Because what Chris has ended up doing is providing something that people need. And in return, he's building a whole business around it and people love him for it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one of the phrases I use, uh, and this is not just towards agents, but just a lot of positions in general, is don't be the commodity. If you're just mm-hmm. a real estate agent or a lot of other professions out there, oh, well, you're just a commodity. Well, if you've done a very good job of niching yourself or drilling down to like your very hyper specific ser- uh, service, your unique selling proposition, USP, that's what makes you stand out. And I think as the talk about more trends, you know, the internet's growing. So that's gonna get that's gonna have more sales and more marketing flow, not just in real estate, but to every industry in general, to it's gonna get go from eighty twenty to ninety ten to five ninety-five to you know, two percent in ninety-eight percent, where fewer people are doing more of the volume out there across you know, the majority of industries. There's only one Amazon, there's one Google, there's one Facebook, there's one Instagram, Facebook bottom. So like it consolidates things. So that's a trend that Is a very clear trend that we have Mm -hmm. great historical proof on that's happening, not just to real estate, but other industries. So I'm a big proponent of people identifying that. And then the way you, you know, you ride that trend to really grow your business is to give a very unique selling proposition. If you're a commodity, you're competing with the Walmarts and Amazon on price, which in real estate is the, you know, the Redfin's, the open doors and all these other brokerages starting on, you know, startups. I can't compete on price. Uh, but I can compete on value in a very, very specific niche, and that's why people come to me, and that's the brand I've built.
0: But in your niche, I'm so curious, right? Because this consolidation in the, all the industries is happening, right? From a wholesaling perspective, we have Open Door and Zillow and Redfin buys, and all these companies that are coming in and knocking out a lot of our our margin, right? And we can still buy stuff they can't buy. We still have a USB from um, from a, a direct to home buyer perspective but for you and your business, what is your USP and how are you um, providing that to people so that it's a no-brainer for them to spend more money to choose to go with someone like you?
1: Uh, so I call myself a real estate financial planner which is a combination of being a real estate agent which actually helps people you know buy and sell houses. But it's real estate financial planning aspect that I, I really enjoy, I think is the big picture win that plays to my strength and also is a, a, an untapped niche in real estate. Uh, if you guys ever talk to traditional financial planners, financial planners and real estate investing, they don't mix. Uh, just It's oil and water. I won't go down a 20 minutes rabbit hole as to why they just don't mix. But what people come to me, you know, I don't do fix and flips. I don't do all this, you know, all these like very short term stuff because it's just, it's a lot of work and a high attrition rate. But mm-hmm. if you play the long game, hey, if you have a 20-year investment time horizon, go out there and plan for retirement or an early retirement when you're 45, 55, it's mm-hmm. very easy to learn a few basic wealth building principles, uh, execute those principles, take action and go out there and... Uh, achieve that. So I sit down with people at the very first meeting when I sit down with people, like our first strategy session is great. What's the long-term goal we're going towards? And usually it's five to $10,000 a month in real estate uh, investment income. So we just, I have my process where I, I start walking people to great. Here's your, here's the dollars you want. Here's how we, you know, figure out the future inflated dollars. Here's how we backtrack. And then we do a, like an assessment now. Great. Here's where you want to go. Here's what we're seeing in the current market in Denver. And then straight, so if we want to get here, we need to have like six rental properties or nine rental properties. Now let's backtrack to what you have now, which is oftentimes cash on hand, mm-hmm. equity in a current primary residence. If people have bought in Denver four years ago, you've got equity in your house. Or if they bought a rental property years ago, they've got equity, And it's great. How do we tap in that cash and your equity and then deploy that to re-leverage up and then go out there and get the next round of properties. And then from there, depending on how the numbers play out, plus your monthly savings rate for real estate, we just start doing uh, math on there. And it's like, great, well, then we're going to need to buy three more properties. Or maybe in year five, you sell one property to 1031, leverage up and reposition the equity. And so I really build that entire model. So we go from, great, I want to go way out here in 15, 20, 25 years. And we backtrack to, great, here's what we need to do today. Or this month to go out there and start taking an action, and then from there we just start executing and building. And uh, you know, every six months, every year, we sit down and reevaluate and discuss things.
0: Yeah, I mean, such a smart way to think about it because what you're doing is you're getting this vision of what the client, the customer needs. You're you're getting into their mind of what they're actually looking for. They're sharing it with you. You're helping them build a plan, which is you know, it's simple, but it's fairly complex to be able to build that plan. But once you know how to do it, it's really easy to help other people guide them down that path. And then you're a key part of executing that plan. If they felt like they got enough value up front, they're obviously going to want to go with you as the option to to be the person to go and execute it. And so for everyone who's listening, think about how you can apply these concepts in your own business, whether you're a real estate broker and, and you just thought, hey, well, Chris's model is amazing. I want to get in contact with Chris after the show and see how I can apply it in my own market. But but more importantly, if you're not, how can you start doing things like this where you're giving value first without an expectation of an exchange happening, but in return, what you end up getting is clients and customers who are raving fans, who love you dearly because you are doing such good things for them that they're happy to pay whatever the price for, uh, for your product or service.
1: Yeah, like I've had people offer to pay me a retainer to go out there and help them buy real estate. Which you know, if you're an agent out there, work with agents, you know that is not common. I'm um, not yeah. taking one, but like it's, I think it's, it's very flattering. Uh, and then something else, kind of talking what you were talking about, Stephen was, I think part of the reason I have so much success with this is you know, one, I do a lot of the marketing. I'm sure you know, you and know, of listeners, they do. You know, you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, you listen to Three Was podcast. You know his spiel. But if you you know, document, don't create. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm, you know, a big part of me figuring out these real estate financial plans. Cause this is what I did a couple of years ago for my own self, my own family, is I had to figure out all this stuff to say, great, how can I get to retirement? Cause I don't have a pension. I don't have anything like that. How can I get there? And I just documented it. And then every time I do stuff with clients, I document it and put it out there as marketing. And I've helped a lot of other agents out there take the information, you know, indirectly and help with their clients. Great. That's good karma. So I've given away a lot of, a lot of information for free. Uh, on the internet, which I like because it's leveraging my time. If I had to do that one on one with every person, that's really tough. But whether one person or a thousand people listen to a podcast episode, same amount of time for me. Uh, secondly, it plays into my passion. I, I learned years ago if if I'm not passionate about something, it just ain't going to work for me uh, mm-hmm. because you know I've got a 20 year plan in real estate, and if I don't love it from like you know day 30 well, I'm not going to love it on uh, you know, month three and year three and year 13, and it becomes a very unhappy grind, and I don't have mm-hmm. success that way. So the whole real estate financial planning, helping people achieve their goals, helping people buy and reposition real estate, that plays into my passion, which comes across to people. And so people out there, whatever niche you're in, there's almost any way you can go out there and I think weave your passion into it. If not, you may want to consider finding something where you can merge profit and passion. Um, there are definitely some passion fields that I don't I don't think pay very well, but a lot of times I've never met somewhere I sat down where we can't figure out how to combine the two um and come up with a plan. But it's gonna be a five or ten year plan at the minimum to merge those two and make them a very, very, very profitable business. Absolutely.
0: Have that long term outlook and not be so short term focused, which I personally could say I fall into that trap sometimes. You know, it's easy to, but we all do, right? So tell me, Chris, how would you define success and what is success to you?
1: So it's, I got two things in my mind. It's failing faster than everyone else. I don't care about looking the best or being the best because I just know what's worked for me is, yeah, I don't know what I don't know. So if I just go out there and do it, great. Either works or it doesn't. If it works awesome, it doesn't, great. I'll take my black guy, get up, do it again. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And it may not be the smartest, you know, action. But it's guaranteed to get results. If I if I fail oh. enough, I will eventually figure it out, one way or the mm-hmm. other. Uh, the other definition of success for me uh, might sound really odd, but it's 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 the metaphor of dying while I climb a mountain. Because mm. you know, 15 years ago, I started my other business or my first business, and that was a big chapter in my life. That chapter's over now. I'm in real estate, and part of the reason I got out of that other industry was just because I was really, really close to the peak of the mountain, you know, metaphorically uh-huh. speaking. I was diminishing returns, the challenging parts are over for me, and that's what I enjoy is the challenge and the fun of it. And so, you know, it's time for me to climb a bigger, different, badder mountain to go out there and learn. Uh-huh. And I think I'll be on the real estate mountain for a big part of my life, at least for the next, you know, 15 or 20 years. But I'll eventually climb a different mountain. That, that might be something else in real estate, that might be a totally different industry, that might be when I'm very, very wealthy and I'm Giving my money away in charity—I don't know what it is—but for me, the definition is to continually challenging myself, and then basically die while I'm climbing that next mountain.
0: Well, I, I can—I uh, can tell that you're you're off to a good start. Based on that that definition, do you feel like you're successful? Yes. I love the immediate answer of yes without any question. You're one of the first people who have jumped out and said it with that much. Mm. Well, I, I appreciate that, that and, and why. Well, what I find, Chris, and our listeners will probably relate, is that it's probably about 50-50. People write out this definition of success and then they're kind of like, uh, I think I could be a little bit more successful. I think I, I, think I could do better. It's, it's sometimes people get caught up in this achiever's mindset where it's, uh, they don't appreciate maybe where they're at right? That could be the next level. I think it's easy for people who are are pushers and shakers to do that. And that's why I appreciate that you, and called it out, that you were like, yes, without a doubt, I don't have to say anything else on it. (laughs) So tell me, what are some of the keystone habits, the things that maybe you do on a daily or weekly basis that help you live a better life? And you know, just to say, you might not have any uh, that jump out, but I'm curious if there's anything that that really has made a big difference in your life?
1: Yeah, well, it's. uh, I'm going to give you a probably interesting answer because to give everyone context who's listening right now, uh, about 17 days ago, we had our second daughter. So she's like two and a half weeks old. And so we also have a two-year-old daughter. So there's Mm. life before kids, Life before marriage, life after kids, and, you know, life before kids and life for marriage, I was so regimented on everything I did every day from waking up and meditating and working out and eating wow. perfectly clean and time blocking, and most of that stuff's just out the window now with kids. Um, mm. So I think a, mm. something I have come to realize, and I'm starting to appreciate it from like the big picture life experience Aspect of it is that things change. So, depending on where someone is on their life, you know, at their life, it's going to absolutely change because what I do now, as far as like daily habits, routine, are absolute crap to what I was doing five years Mm -hmm. ago. And I I don't want to make that sound bad towards anything, towards my family or kids, because absolutely, I would never, I would not trade anything I have right now, do it differently, but it just changes drastically. Um, So, now for me, some of the key points, I say probably the most important thing is going into deep work. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. the latest phrase I'm calling it. I read a book uh, called Deep Work by Cal Newton, I think his name, Cal, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what it is. Someone recommended to me, listen to podcasts, loved it. I read the book and it kind of reinvigorated me to get into really focused work areas. where great. I mm-hmm. turn off my cell phone and email for two or three hours at a time to focus on some very high producing or high, highly productive activities. Creating content creating real estate financial plans, uh, writing, sometimes just sitting on my deck or in my office with a 10-foot whiteboard and brainstorming for strategy. And I think Mm -hmm. taking that time to just make sure you shut out the entire world for an hour or two has made a huge difference for me. Mm -hmm. And it's made me so much more productive and has really lowered my stress level. So that's the most important thing right now is just making sure I block out time to get into deep work and just minimize distractions in in the world. And I try to do it, uh, you know, my goal is to do it five days a week, about three hours a day. Usually Mm -hmm. don't hit that, but if I can get, you know, three or four sessions like that a week, I am, you know, I'm so productive and so the most productive I've ever been in my entire life. So I'm getting back into that state of mind of just, you know what, I got to prioritize these two or three activities for the week Mm -hmm. and damn everything else.
0: Yeah, yeah. So getting into this super focused state so that the work Output that you're doing is at the highest level because you're just focused on just doing one thing really deep. I I can uh, I can definitely relate to when I do that things go really well, and it's just hard sometimes. You get caught up in this distraction environment. You really do need to close things out, and so you can just you know do some thinking.
1: Yeah, and the world keeps revolving, and you know I I'm in a sales position and as an agent, and you know I structured things to where. Everything keeps moving on without me, and my clients don't expect me to respond to every text, or email, or phone call within three minutes. Uh, yeah. I've got people in place to help me out with that, but like I've structured things for I can be very highly productive, but also take off that mentor, like, oh my gosh, is this getting done? Because yeah, if you're negotiating real estate, three hours with their phone off can be, you know, it's usually not to your benefit. But if you got the yeah. right people and systems in place, great. I took care of that. Now I can focus on, uh, you know, my best use in time, which is doing deep financial modeling and creating content.
0: That's great. So we've made it to my favorite part of the show, the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So tell us, Chris, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now?
1: Uh, I'm gonna go back to that deep workbook. Uh, I don't read a whole, as many books as I used to, uh, but that book has had the biggest impact on me in the last, I mean, last couple years for sure. It's nothing new that I did not already know, Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things, right? Where I was like, Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I need to do that. Oh yeah, I used to do this. Oh yeah, you know all that. I was like, Okay, great. And I was like, You know what? If I want to get to you know my long term goal, mm-hmm. I need to restructure my life and restructure my business to, to make things more efficient. And also, I'm mm-hmm. gonna make sure I have time to be there as a husband, father for my family. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not just work 300 hours a week. But great, I can mm-hmm. unplug and mentally just unplug from work to spend time with my my wife or my daughters. So that book is my latest, you know, biggest recommendation for people.
0: Definitely adding it to the top of the list. I've read a lot about it, but I haven't read it yet. So from an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors and how do you look at going out and finding great mentors? You told a story earlier about one of yours, but uh, tell us a little more.
1: Ooh, uh, so you don't need a, a quick answer on this one, right? No, and quick answers are not required. All right, good. <laughs> um, so a, a phrase that I... And if I've coined or stolen from someone inadvertently is finding a vested mentorship uh, mm. and so a lot of people say oh great I want to find a mentor They're like oh hey uh, Stephen can I go out and buy you a cup of coffee or buy you lunch to pick your brain or people me, I'm like no I that 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 does not sound appealing to me because I don't care about the $5 call for the $20 lunch? I care about that hour of my time as way more valuable to me. And uh-huh. so when people do that, I usually say no. Um I just don't have the time to do it nor, you know, nor the desire to. So uh-huh. I don't go around trying to find mentors that way. Now, now a lot of people have, uh, but it just has not worked for me. So rather when I'm getting into a new industry or a new uh, area I want to learn to become successful in, I go out there and say, hey, great, who can I find out there that I want to learn? And that just comes from Googling and listening to podcasts and going to local events and saying, great, wow, I really like that person or wow, that's a person I want to connect with. And, and sometimes it's just great, I want to establish that relationship, but sometimes it turns mm-hmm. into something bigger. And so that's where I've had a lot of success is creating very, I call it vested mentorship relationships. Because a big mm-hmm. reason, I'll give you two here, example in Denver is a few years ago when I became an agent, uh, I started calling brokerages and calling people and saying, hey, look, I'm getting my license in the near future. I've got this amazing internet marketing background. I've done this, this, and this, and this. And I need to find someone out there that's really successful in the real estate investing world that I can partner with and go out there and I can drive a ton of business, drive a ton of brand recognition, drive a ton of leads that way because I can do marketing. but I don't know the mm-hmm. content to go out there and create it. So mm-hmm. did that, did that, did that, found someone. And it was Charles Roberts. If you guys don't know him, he helped build mm-hmm. your castle real estate. He's been in the investing world for like 15 or 18 years around Denver. Super knowledgeable guy, very successful. I mean, a ton of people know him around Denver, great reputation. It's like, cool, that's the guy I want to be in 20 years or in 10 years or whatever it is. So connect with him. And then, you know, within a couple of weeks, we are working together. We are creating content. I have this amazing mentorship possibility or relationship with Charles. And he was Mm -hmm. vested because the more I had success in driving his name out there in Leeds, it was a win-win for both of us. Mm -hmm. And then the next example is, uh, you know, kind of another iteration of it is, uh, you know, one of the gentlemen that Charles connected with me a couple of years was like, hey, this guy does internet stuff too. He's in real estate. You guys should just talk. I was like, absolutely. His name is Mm -hmm. James Orr and he is up in Fort Collins uh, and he is an investor, an agent, also a computer programmer, just a, a brilliant, brilliant person. And he's actually the guy that coined the term the real estate financial planner that I'm helping him market. And just through that relationship, a really neat opportunity has come up to, to learn from him, who's just one of the most brilliant people I've ever met in real estate. And another good opportunity to help me grow my real estate business down here. Uh, the big flip side is go out there and create a new industry in real estate financial planning. And I got that um, because I had very intention, purpose. And I say, great, you've got this. Here's how I can add value. Before I ask you for anything, Stephen, I want to give you, give you, give you. Say, hey, you know what? I've been watching your stuff. You have this, this, and this, and this. I can do this for you uh, without mm-hmm. be of help. And and that has flipped the script so many times for me, where I've given you two huge mentorship examples, which is Changed my life out here and has changed my financial mm-hmm. future. But um, I've had lots of other, you know, just very smaller ones as well, which is just a great connection, a great relationship. But going out there, creating a win-win situation and giving value before ever asking for value from a, a mentor and creating a two-way street—that's the—that's the ticket in my mind.
0: Give value first, folks. That is definitely the key across the board. Build great relationships without expectations and people are going to be vested in your future. Um, wow. I I can really appreciate that. Um, that's actually part of the way that I started learning was I, you know, I went out there and I found great people and I did work for them for free. And in exchange, I got to learn all the things in their mind and it's just a great way to get started. Great way to take your life and your business to the next level. So finally, from a purpose perspective, Chris, what drives you to live your best life every day? Hmm.
1: Uh, I don't have any good one-liners or clear things. I, I think it goes back to me just that desire to climb the mountain and I like challenging myself. Uh, you know, as I'm talking and thinking about this, I'm flashing back to where I did achieve financial independence or I escaped the rat race going back to my network marketing online days. If you guys have ever played that Kiyosaki's uh, cash flow quadrant game where you escape the rat race, um, you know, where your passive income is greater than your expenses, I achieved that. Uh, and I achieved it through business income. I didn't turn that into investment income, which was one of my mistakes in my 20s, which is now one of the things I'm I'm not making that mistake again. So I escaped the rat race. And so I had a couple years where I did not have to work for money. Um, money mm-hmm. came in every week, actually every day, every week, and all my bills were paid and allowed me to have a really fun lifestyle. Probably had too much fun because I didn't invest much of the money, but whatever, there were worse things to do in your 20s. Um, and so what I realized from there, because I took time off, because like, great, you know, I don't have to get out of bed today. I don't have to make a single phone call. I don't have to do anything. And after like three days of that, life kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what? I gotta be doing, I gotta be doing something new. And what I realized in that is I like the creation process. I like the creative process of starting something new. I like the building, whether it's creating a family, I'm really I'm re- learning now that, you know. Raising little human beings is probably the biggest like creation process in the world. So this is a fun new thing I'm going through. And then also just the business standpoint, the investment standpoint is that new challenge, like, great, you know, for good or bad, I like to do things my way. If someone says, Great, here's the exact thing you need to go out there and have success. I'm gonna take it, do some things, but also do my own creative flair to it as well, which can work if you go out there and actually. Do activities, other times follow the model, but I also like to create that new, that new way of doing things, a new opportunity. So it's the creation process for me that drives, drives myself. Because if I sit there and do nothing all day, I'm bored out of my mind and I just am not in a good spot because it's weird. I'll have all this time. If I'm doing anything, I'm like, well, then I eat like crap. I don't exercise. Even though I got all this time during the day, if I'm not mentally stimulated with that, I don't do it.
0: Well, this has been so much fun, Chris. Thank you so much for opening up your mind and sharing a little bit about yourself. Where can people find out more about you or
1: get in touch? Uh, the easiest way is to go to the website, www.denverinvestmentrealestate.com. It's not creative, but you guys get the point. Denverinvestmentrealestate.com.
0: Awesome, and we'll include uh, links to that in the show notes if you want to get in touch with Chris. And uh, thank you so much. I look forward to the next time we get to hang out. Thanks, and I enjoyed this. Mindsetters, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed putting it together. And with that, I'm really excited to announce that we are pre-launching an incredible little community that we're putting together where we're going to be teaching and training on some of these topics and working with a really, really, really high-level personal development coach who's going to help the group as a whole together understand how we can get clarity in our business, how we can gain back the focus that we desire so we can start taking the consistent action every single day so we can get to that outcome that we're all after. And, and as a real estate investor myself, I know that we're all here because we really want that financial freedom. We, we want that independence from the stress and the anxiety of worrying about, you know, where that check's going to come from or having the ability to live life on our terms and travel and do the things that we really care about. And all of that comes back to, are we doing the things that we know we need to do on a regular and consistent basis? And so we're bringing together a small group of up and coming high level, high achieving real estate investors who really want to push their life and their business to the next level. And we're going to bring this together in a small little group setting and it's going to be all online. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you guys are interested in learning more and first off, hearing about it as soon as we decide and launch this out to the world, then I really encourage you head over to com slash action and make sure that you share a little bit about yourself. And we will be sure that you are one of the first people to know when this bad boy goes live. So I'm excited about it because I know what this has done for me and my life. And I'm really grateful to be able to put together a small little group of folks who are all pushing in the same direction. So I look forward to seeing you there if this is something that is of interest, which I'm guessing that it is. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend.